everyone, it's Mark and Annette with Karen the Load. We welcome you today. We're excited today to have a, a, a great uh, author and speaker, someone that uh, is uh, renowned really throughout the uh, world, uh, Christian De La Herta. Uh, let, me, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, Christian in his bio. Uh, with 30 years of experience, Christian is a sought-after spiritual teacher, personal transformation coach, and leading voice in the, in the breathwork community. He has traveled the world offering inspiring and transformational retreats, combining psychological and spiritual teachings with lasting and life-changing events. An award-winning, critically acclaimed author, he has spoken at numerous universities and conferences and on the TEDx stage. His new book, Awakening the Soul of Power, was described by multiple Grammy Award winner Gloria Estefan as a bomb for the soul of anyone searching for truth and answers to life's difficult questions. So first of all, Kristen, welcome. We're glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me on the, on the show. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks. You know, we, we have so many questions. First of all, how do you get someone like Gloria Estefan to, uh, to, to promote your book? <laughs> it's a little bit of a long story, but persistence is a short, the short answer to it. I, I courted her for three years. Um, and just the, the short version of it is I found out she was going to be honored at, at some kind of gala uh, down here in Miami. Um, and so I bought a ticket, went to the gala and made a beeline uh, to her as soon as it ended so that I was able to introduce myself. And before Gloria was Gloria, when, when she was still a part of the Miami Sound Machine, they used to play at, at our high school dances. <laughs> so we connected through that and then she and they gave me the card for her manager and it took me two years to get through The Guardian, um, you know, who was doing his job and filtering who got through to her. And when I was about to give up, I thought, you know what, what's going to make her be interested in this. And this book that I just published that she endorsed is part of a series of three on what it means to live heroically. So I went with the heroism theme and I said, and I said, no, I know you're very humble and you would never um, think of yourself as a hero, but the way that you recovered from your bus accident um, was, you know, it's an inspiration for millions of people all over the world. And also, her father had been a counter-revolutionary, as my parents had been involved in, in Cuba. So I spoke about the heroism of, of her father and the sacrifices they had made, and I spoke about her generosity and how she had helped so many other Latin American artists um, make it. So I said, "Look, this, I'm on a mission here, and I want to. I'm on a mission to empower people, and in particularly women." Um, and so, would you help me reach a broader audience? And you know, she went for it. She was touched and she gave an incredible endorsement. It is an incredible endorsement. I love the words that she shared. And in just a few words, it actually connected with me. Oh. And I was like, wow, you know, I want to do this. We need more heroes and heroines in our lives. It's time for each of us to find that within and to awaken the power that's within us. And so we're excited <laughs> to have you share with us some of your wisdom and some of these tools and how we might each awaken that within us. Yeah, I'm so glad to, to hear you say that, Annette. I've, I've, I'm glad that that theme resonates with you and that touched your, your soul. Um, and yeah, so 
you know, heroism is like before COVID, COVID has kind of forced all of us to redefine what it means and to expand what it means before the pandemic. We used to think of, you know, superheroes with a cape or, um, you know, maybe a warrior or a first responder, um, who, somebody who placed their lives at risk for the sake of someone else or for a larger cause. Through COVID, now we include, you know, the, our healthcare um, providers, our doctors, our nurses, our respiratory therapists, and even like grocery store clerks and delivery people who also place themselves at risk. And but the book, the book asks the questions: Well, what about the rest of us? And 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 proposes a way of living um, that is nothing short of heroic. And so this first book is a, is a part of that. Is the first book of that series. So how does a hero step into power in a way that's not about hierarchy, that's not about control, fear, force, domination, that doesn't require that we push anybody down, step on them in order for us to prop ourselves up, up and feel powerful? And, and like I said, it's for everybody, but it has a particular message for women stemming from my belief that the empowerment of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. Not to idealize women or put them up on a pedestal uh, or add layers of responsibility to all the stuff that women already do um, for the rest of us, but it's because the world's been running so off balance, so off kilter. Um, and when women are in 50% of power in the world, we're going to have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and social justice and wealth distribution and how we treat the environment and, and all of it, really. So, Christian, a lot of people aren't feeling like heroes right now. We're we're in a tough time. It's, uh, you know, if you look at the last year, there are a lot of people that uh, have feelings that are rather underwhelming, and uh, it's it's frustrating for people. How can how can the average Joe or Joanne recognize <laughs> that idea of being a hero or a heroine in their lives, recognizing that uh, maybe their life itself isn't uh, what they would consider heroic? Yeah, yeah, and that's a great question. Um, you know, in these days, uh, this certainly this last year, sometimes just waking up in the morning and maintaining a sense of self and maintaining a positive outlook um, and, and a sense of equanimity and, and well-being, that alone has been heroic. You know, how do, how do we maintain that, that and become that eye of the storm so that we allow, allow all the circumstances of life? all the drama of life, all the stuff over which we have absolutely no control to be there because we, we're not going to control it. But what we what we do have a choice about is how we show up in response to it, how we, re, you know, react in, in to, that, to that situation. And from that perspective, we pop ourselves out of this victim relationship to life. You know, like if, if it only wasn't for this or that or for 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 a system or for misogyny or for racism or for homophobia or, for, or if it only wasn't for some individual you know if, if my mom had, had hadn't done this or dad had had done that or the minister or the teacher or society which like if it only if as long as we're holding something or someone outside of us responsible for our state of being we just gave our power away so I really so, like the uh, the imagery of what you shared there about uh, the idea of the eye of the storm. And when you think of that imagery, you, you think of uh, whirlwinds all around and then the calmness inside. And there's a reason why you use that metaphor. Exactly. Well, I'm based in Miami these days and I'm Cuban originally, <laughs> so we, we know hurricanes well. 
Um, so that visual for us is very, you know, it's very real. It's very vivid. Um, and it, you know, feels like that is, that's my relationship to life, you know, which is taking me a while to get to this point, but no matter, no matter the circumstances of my life, no matter, you know, relationship works out or it doesn't, a project succeeds or it fails. I never question my sense of self. So do you, do you consider yourself a hero? No, of course not. I I do now because I'm writing about it, so I better own it, right? <laughs> um, and I, but I do say in the book, in the beginning of the book, that I'm a very unlikely person to be writing about heroism and, and personal empowerment, because the way that I grew up was completely the opposite. You know, I I spent my first ten years of life in Cuba in a communist regime that was all about hierarchical power, power over the state owned everything, every, all your belongings, and, and you belong to the state pretty much. And so many of the freedoms and choices that we take for granted here just don't even exist in the communist regime. Um, and my family was also very Catholic, which is another hierarchical power over um, structure in which you're told, you know, what's right and what's wrong, what, you, what to believe and what not to believe. And, um, and when we came to the States, I was really shy, painfully shy as a teenager. Um, to the degree that you know, I had a, I was a good student. I had a good relationship with books, and so looking back on it, you know, I had a 4.0 GPA in high school, except for one B my last semester, and I didn't do this consciously. But looking back on it, I know that I sabotaged. I got that one B so that I wouldn't have to get up in front of an auditorium filled with hundreds and hundreds of people and deliver the valedictorian speech. There is no way that I would have been ready to do that now. And to do that then, and today, um, you know, I speak all over the world. I'm a TEDx speaker. I, I, you could say I'm a professional speaker. So, so that I know all the stuff from our past, all of the circumstances can be healed and transcended. And all of our fears, all of the ways that we sell out um, on all of who we are, on our magnificence and our majesty and our bigness and our power, all that stuff can be reclaimed and expressed in a way that is a match for who we for who we are. I love how you shared that story, and I think for those who come in and they awaken their soul and their power and come into that heroism or being a, a, a hero, it it all comes from finding who we are and yes. understanding within and and owning those feelings, whether we, I think in the past, I used to say, well, because of this, then I, I will never, I'm not ever going to be enough. Right. Well, now I I've changed my way of thinking. And now I think, well, because of those very same things, they've made me who I am. Yeah. They've, they've improved. I, I've become something more valuable something more lovable. All these things that I thought was the opposite, when I learned and I awoke within, then all of a sudden, my mind shifted. Beautiful. And there's a better, you know, this greater power within and this greater desire to then help others. Yes. In their journey. That's exactly right. And, it, and, and without knowing the details of, of that journey, I know without any doubt that your willingness to go within, to look at yourself, 
to to look at the wounded parts of you, to question them, to to examine why you thought or believed a certain way, um, to to consider a different way of 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 holding those things. I know that was an intense journey and nothing short of heroic. So thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. It is, it's difficult. And I think people feel like that the journey should be easy. If I need to go here, if I'm following this path, then it should be easy. And instead of realizing it's the hard things that refine us and help us to become, and it's not easy to look inside. It's not easy to look at those things. And what I've seen and I've looked in research for with your book and the TEDx talks, it's that allowing ourselves to awaken. It really is. The, the name of the book is perfect mm, because it's you. within us. We just need to wake it up. That's it. It's it's all within us. All the answers to all our questions, our power, our, our wisdom, our sense of belonging, our sense of connectedness, our sense of self-love, our heroism, it's all in there. And all we got to do is have the courage and the willingness to, to look inside, because as you say, it's not easy. Sometimes you gotta, we got to face, face down our inner demons. Um, and, and that's why it's a heroic journey. You know, not today we don't have the horse hitched outside and the armors and the demons to slay, except the ones in our own heads. And that journey is nothing short of heroic. I think it would be easier to face the horses and the armies. <laughs> I think, you know, I think you might have a point. You can, you can run away from the troll under the bridge, um, but you can't run away from the, the demon that's inside your head. The, the only thing you can, we can do is numb it out. You know, and, and all the <clears throat> the ways that <clears throat> that we numb ourselves out, whether it's substances or or sex or shopping or or too much work or gaming, whatever it is that we use to run from ourselves and not look at our emotions and not feel our our feelings or remember our our pasts. Um, but numbing out doesn't work. Like we know, that's not an effective strategy because those things those things just don't go away. Yeah, the numbing not only does it numb the things we don't want to feel. It numbs ah, the things we want to feel. Brilliant, you brilliant. You can't just say, okay, I'm just numbing this portion of it. Exactly. And so yeah, that was something for years I tried. Doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, work. We, we can't numb out selectively. And if we're numbing out just the, the, the sadness or the anger, we're also numbing out our ability to feel joy and bliss and love. Exactly. I was impressed with your story, Christian, as you talked about uh, growing up uh, uh, not too far from where you're at right now, but in a totally different culture and a totally different situation. Uh, it sounds like you grew up in a very religious family. Yeah. You you mention in your book and uh, in your in your podcast the importance of spirituality. For our listeners, what what is your what's the difference between spirituality and religion? I mean, is there a difference between someone that's religious versus someone that's spiritual? I think so. You know, for me, for me, it was for me, it's, it was very different. And, and having that awareness, uh, because for me, the, the Catholic religion in which I was raised didn't have room for me. So for me, it, had, I, it became an existential choice. Like, right. Do, do I throw out the baby out with a baptismal water like I did for much of my 20s? Um, but there's a price to pay for that because it is like rejecting an inherent part of who we are. 
Um, so this is a kind of a simplified way that I look at the difference between religion and spirituality. Religion, the, the root word of, of, of the word religion is religare, which means to bind or to rebind. And, and even if, if that intention is to rebind to the, to the sacred, to me, it feels like binding. It feels limiting. Um, whereas if we look at the origin of the word uh, spirituality is spidare, which from that root we, root, we get both respiration and inspiration. Um, and so for me, the, the spirituality is, is much more fluid and flowing. And for me, it's, it's an inherent part of who we are. And, and I believe that all the religious paths, all, all the spiritual traditions have our valid paths to the sacred. Um, I honor them all. I challenge them all, you know, to the degree that they're supporting us to, to make that personal connection with the divine to become better human beings and, and more loving human beings, then they're doing their job to the degree that they're causing discord and um, different, different, um, you know, othering of other people uh, to the degree that they're stuck in the theological pissing contest. You know, my God is bigger than yours and all the wars that result from that uh, to the degree that they're bringing about fear. Um, then, you know, I might say you might, Consume, but at least consider looking at it from a different perspective and asking so, some hard questions. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And so I, I I read part of your bio that said you're a spiritual teacher. Tell us what it means to be a spiritual teacher and what does that look like to the people that you teach? Yeah, that's a great question, too. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I, I thought I wanted to be a priest. Um, and I went to a, a Jesuit high school, you know, which is one of the Catholic uh, religious orders. Um, I think, I mean, I know that I, that it was a genuine vocation, like a genuine desire to, to make it, to, to, to serve the sacred, to make a difference, to serve humanity, to make a difference in the world. And looking back on it, I, I, in those days, I thought that naively probably believed that priests were really celibate. And for, and for me, that was a way that I could sublimate subconsciously that I, I wasn't thinking this, but subconsciously that I could sublimate my sexuality that was a source of conflict for, my, for me. Um, so once I figured out that, you know, that there had to be other ways to, to, to connect with the spirit um, and the sacred and discovered um, profound and incredible practices, I, I realized, like I did some research and the, the role of a priest is really to be a guide towards the, the, the sacred. And I'm doing that. You know what? In, in my work, whether it's my retreats, even through the book, it's I help, I help, I help us to see the, the blockages between who we really are, and 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 the, the reality that we live in today, and the ways that we allow ourselves to to be limited, um, and to feel separate, um, and in that way, I'm playing you know a priestly role, even though. I'm not ordained by anybody, but I don't need to be ordained by anybody. But I, I know that the work that I do is that. I help people to connect with their, with their own inherent spiritual nature and find ways of expressing it that are a match for who they are. I appreciate that because I feel like we all have a sense of that within where we, we have an opportunity to be that guide to share with others the beauty that's within and to connect with that higher power, with, with the sacred, like you say. 
And we all have a portion of that within us. We're just trying to find it. I think it's just been lost in so many things in life that we've gotten so busy that we're so confused in a lot of ways that we've forgotten who we are and the importance of who we are. And it's not about what we have or who we control or who we, you know, we're in charge and how, how great my title is at work. It's all about love and connection, which to me comes is, is more of the sacred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're diving deep here now. We are diving you know, I deep. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe in abominations. But if, if I were to believe in in such a thing, I think it's the externalization of the sacred. You know, it's like how much further could we have placed heaven? And and because of that, we have made everything that's of the phys- we have this split between the physical and the spiritual. And everything that's of the physical, we have made it something that's less than, something to be conquered, subjugated, controlled. And so no wonder we have a relationship with the earth that's more like a rape and pillage relationship to the earth. And no wonder now that we're beginning to witness whatever it is that we have unleashed on the environment, of which COVID is a symptom of that relationship. Um, The body, we animalized it. Sexuality, we demonized it. So no wonder we have sexual issues as a species. And and what's sad about that is that before the patriarchal times and and cultures and religions, that split wasn't there. Um, And and in many religions of the East, that that sexuality, for example, was not only not sinful, it was a very valid path to yoga, to union with the sacred. And if we look at the indigenous traditions throughout the world, they don't have that split. To them, everything is sacred. You know, the rocks and the birds and the creepy crawlies and the fish in the sea and the body and the genitals. Everything is sacred. But, and if we're going to look at it from the perspective of the, of the more Western religions you know, that, that claim that God is everywhere, God is omnipresent, then don't tell me that God is everywhere except for the human body and in particular the bedroom and the genitals. Right? God is either everywhere or it's not. So... So let's let's switch focus just for a second, talking about uh, journeys. Uh, you you talk about uh, journeys and, and treks. You have treks that you uh, bring people on, and 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 I, I think it's interesting when we talk about uh, journeys versus experiences. We can all have experiences, but one of the things that we we focus on at Karen the Load for those of you who might be new listeners to us, the the whole idea of a Karen. Is a is a rock stepped on top of each other to show the way. If there's a fork in the road, we want to help people to know which way to be directed. Uh, we we're on many journeys throughout our lives. We're on a lot of different. Uh, we have a lot of different experiences. But in your experience, Christian, with your with your uh, treks that you go on there, what's the difference between a trek and an experience? Hmm. Um, here's how I define a, a trek. It's um, if a vacation and a retreat get married and had a child, that would be that would be the the my, that spiritual adventure. Right? So we we go to beautiful places in the world, you know, like Machu Picchu, um, Hawaii, uh, New Mexico, northern New Mexico, southern France, Egypt. And so we do some of the, you know, some of the touristy things, go see some of the sites and the, but usually with a, with a spiritual 
guide or spiritual theme to it. Like when I when I go to Machu Picchu, I work with a with a shaman down there, a Peruvian shaman. Um, them taking a group next year, I had to cancel uh, the one from last year because of the pandemic. But we're going in 2022. Um, so it's a combination of having like profound experiences that are transformational, as well as enjoying the beauty and the culture and the food and the people of a different country, a different place. So, so let's go back to the the idea of heroes again, because that really fascinates me. Uh, you know, this whole concept of uh, the fact that we can all be heroes. You know, we we talk about some of these tracks, we talk about some of these wonderful learning experiences, but there are a lot of people that are just maybe not able to do some of those things for whatever reasons, uh, and and maybe they feel, as Annette talked about, maybe less than, and and they would would never consider themselves to be a hero. How can we get out of that mindset that we're not a hero? Uh, you know, I, I know that you've got some exercises there that uh, that uh, are very mindful type exercises. How can we how can we get out of that mode into something that uh, we recognize that maybe we do truly have a, a life of, of significance? Yeah, and that is really like an ultimate question, right? Because it, it's all about the meaning of life and, and who we are and what we're doing here. Um, you know, if they can't come to a retreat or, or engage in a coaching program, buy the book, 20 bucks, and it'll change your life. Because and, and it's designed, you know, with short chapters and designed to be kind of participatory so that each chapter has, you know, hero practices or power practices designed to deepen the, the, the way that we see ourselves and to apply the teachings of the books to our own lives. So that they don't stay just at the, you know, theoretical, oh, what a great idea, what a beautiful concept, you know, so that we actually apply it to our lives and our lives change. And the whole, probably third or quarter of the book is all understanding what the ego mind is. Whether whether your listeners and, and your audience, whether they understand, whether they get those teachings from this book or any other book, that is the critical cairn, right? In the way, to, if you, on the way to freedom, that is the First one, which is understanding how the mind works, what the ego is, and and how it keeps us held back in in this in a self made prison of fear and limitation. Um, and and we don't have the time in 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 the you know in the show in the podcast to get really get into it. But here's a great metaphor: um, put a baseball in the center of a stadium. That's what the ego is. Who we are is actually the stadium, and we've allowed this tiny tiny, tiny part of who we are to think that it is all who we are and to make important, critical choices about our lives, about our relationships, about what we, what we do and, and, you know, where we live from its very small and always fear-based perspective. So on this journey to freedom and, and to empowerment, that is the first step. It's like understanding, and it's also the journey to heroism because Understanding how the mind works and then choosing not to be controlled and ruled by its fearful machinations, it's, it's a heroic journey. Uh, so, for example, you know, the, the ego mind takes everything personally and, and it reacts. It takes everything, um, any kind of feedback uh, as an attack and, and as an affront to its very identity. Learning to feel the ouch of, of, of a negative comment directed our way and not react with, you know, like hitting them back metaphorically or pushing them against the wall metaphorically, finding one of their wounds or their buttons and pressing that in return. 
um, and choosing the higher road, that is nothing less than heroic. And it takes work, like like Annette was talking before. It's, it, it's, it, there's no way to do this without going within and, and looking at ourselves and, and discovering that, you know, there's a vast universe inside each one of us that's for the most part unexplored. So what you're saying is the only way to get through the uh, hurricane to the eye is going through it, not around it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and back to the, the storm. As we awaken within our soul and that power, you know, the storm's all around us. And we can still have that peace yes. and that, that joy and that comfort. I, in my life, when I didn't understand correctly and I hadn't awakened really and I hadn't looked and gone through that journey to discover my soul and if you will, and, you know, awakening things and understanding things correctly, I believe I was amid the storms. I was so tired. I was always feeling like I was just being tossed, you know, to and fro with just the winds. And now because of the change, because of becoming who and understanding and having that awakening, the storms could be all around. Yes. But I'm steady. Exactly. Inner peace is a state of being, is a state of mind. And and the, the drama is going to continue. The storm is always going to be around us. Life is going to continue throwing curveballs our way, whether it's a pandemic or the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one or who knows, right? That we can count on. But but what we can that we can do nothing about. What we can do something about is is develop this self knowledge and the self awareness and, and freeing ourselves from the um, limited perspectives of the ego, so that we can be that eye of the storm and, and that we can then choose rather than just react to those circumstances and and rather than being ruled by other people's expectations and what we think they they want for us and society's rules and definitions of of how we're to be um you know it's it's and it's a journey right it's a journey to to that's why it's heroic is we have to like ask ourselves why do i believe why do i believe such a thing like where did i get that and then if we start doing the research we say we say that's like somebody made it up along the way um, but it so takes a little it, bit of work. It does take work. It comes down to choice. Yes. And even though we have an understanding of who we are, things, we still have emotions. We still have feelings. And when the job loss or when the death or when the pandemic, whatever it is, it's our choice how to react. Yes, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and the emotions are always going to be there. But but here's what freedom, the freedom that we're going for, is the freedom to have our emotions rather than being had by them. Because what happens is when we suppress them, then they're ruling us from, from the subconscious. So we suppress, we, we're, we're all conditioned to, to, to suppress emotions because we've labeled and somebody along the way decided the emotions were, were weakness. Right. And especially for men, since we were kids, we were told little boys don't cry. Right. Because the alternative is weakness, as if the very premise of associating the, fe- the feminine with weakness, there was any truth to that. Um, but but that's the way that we hold it. The emotions are not good. They're not bad. They're not strength. They're not weakness. They're just 
energy going coursing through our body. What used to be spiritual teaching that everything is energy, now we know from quantum physics that it's true. That includes the body. That includes the emotion. Everything is energy. Energy cannot be destroyed. So when we suppress anger, it, it turns into rage, right? Or, and then we overreact and, and we cause damage to, to, to our relationships, or that energy has to come out one way or another. And if we don't give it expression, it starts showing up in physical symptoms, heart attacks and ulcers and, and cancer. When we suppress sadness, if we, don't, if we don't allow ourselves the way to feel it and express it, it, it congeals into depression. And then no wonder that we live in, in a society in which Prozac is, you know, it's, it's so overly medicated. When and which doesn't solve anything because we're just numbing it out, like you were talking about before. You can't numb it out selectively. And, and I'm not saying that there's some people that that you know that some depressions that are are caused by biochemical. I'm sure there are. Um, and I would bet I don't know what the number is, but I would bet that the far majority, uh, by far, of the causes of depression are not biochemical imbalances in the brain, but are situational stuff that we can do something about. And it's just something that people don't understand what they can do, or it's a choice that it's too hard to do that, to get to the point. Yeah. So so Christian, we haven't really talked much about breath work. Uh, Thoughts. You know, you know, on, uh, to me, that's one of those other cairns, right, on, on the journey to freedom um, and on the journey to being the eye of the storm. Um, the, the breath is at the core of every meditation practice and, and of every spiritual tradition. Um, and, and if we really, you know, think about it, that there's the breath-spirit connection that we were talking about before in Spidata. Um in most languages, in most spiritual traditions and some secular languages, the same word can mean breath or spirit, depending on the context. Um, so like the, the Latin root spirata and in ancient Greek pneuma, from which we get pneumonia, meant both lung and soul. Um, so there is that breath-spirit connection. You know, the breath is our most loyal, um, most faithful companion on this journey of embodiment. Um, and, you know, like some of the holy texts talk about, you know, God breathed life into them. That's what I was um, thinking when you said that. Yeah, yeah. So so if we want to be the eye of the storm, the key is the breath, right? Because, so because and, and if we want to, if we want to avoid the suppression of those emotions that we were just talking about, use the breath. So if you're stuck, so if you're stuck in traffic on the highway, and you start feeling that frustration, or if sometimes we, we, we get confronted by somebody like, you know, like speaking to us aggressively, first thing that goes is the breath. Like we shut down the breath and we stop breathing or start taking really shallow breaths. And that's what anchors those emotions in the body. And, and, and they don't go away, right? Until we learn a technique like breath work to clear all the, those, those years and decades of suppressed emotional energies. So a great practice is like whenever we feel those emotions come up, whatever the emotions, breathe, consciously take some deep, long breaths, and that will prevent those those energies from getting stuck in the tissues of our body. There's so much to say about the breath. We could could spend another hour probably just talking about that, couldn't we? Isn't that interesting? We, 
every time it seems like we get stressed, what, what's the first words that come out of most people's mouth? Just breathe. Breathe. Just yes. breathe. Yes. And, and, I, and I think that we, uh, we, 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 we have obviously had issues with that this last year with uh, COVID. Uh, Isn't that interesting that the two pandemics that we, that we struggled with last year, the, the COVID and systemic racism, I can't breathe, were all about that. That's a great point. Well, we always we always give our guests the last word. Uh, there is there any anything that we haven't covered, any epiphanies uh, that we that you would like to share with us and our listeners that uh, would would be helpful as we finish up our podcast today. Well, first thing I wanted to say is thank you, thank you for for the work that you do. Um, that makes a difference, touches so many, so many of, of your audience and so many um, who depend on your messages um, to have the kind of lives that, they, that, they, that work better for them and that they dream of, the kind of relationships that they actually dream of. So thank you for having me as a guest. Um, and for, for your audience, you know, it's like, like we were saying before, it's, it's, it's all within. So however you are led to do it, take the time. Do the work, even if it feels hard in the beginning, to know yourself, to dive within, to know why you do the things you do, um, to, to understand the patterns you know, that sometimes have us stuck in relationships that feel like, like it's the same boring play with just a different actor. Uh, so understand why we attract certain kind of people into our lives and, and what are we trying to heal in ourselves. It is so worthwhile to do the work because the, the, the reward for doing that work, which is often heroic, is freedom and, and the ability to choose um, how we want to be and who we want to be and, and to really give full expression to our unique human potential. And, and that's a wonderful message, a, a message that we can all be heroes in our own way. Yes. yes. There. Well, we, we appreciate you being a guest with us today, Christian. Uh, and we're, we're speaking uh, to our audience that we hope that you've really enjoyed this uh, conversation with Christian. We appreciate you being a guest with us today as we've discussed the awakening, really, the, the, the soul of power and uh, finding our way to the uh, eye of the, the hurricane. Now, that's a, that's a big challenge, and it's uh, something that doesn't come without a lot of work. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us, as well as to help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Karen the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep Karen. Thank you.